up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Pixels Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brad, joined by my co-host, Micah. Hey. Uh, Carrie will probably be joining us mid-episode. Uh, of course, we'll have no heads up when that happens, so she'll just appear on your screen uh, if you're watching on YouTube, as if from out of nowhere. And uh, if you're on audio, she will just appear as if from out of nowhere. Um, so that's a thing that's happening. There's lots of news this week. Uh, the epic Apple trials in week two, and we just and we got just as many ridiculous stories uh, this week as we did last week. Um, just an insane trial. This is I, I love this thing. It's one of my favorite things ever. Um, <laughs> so I've I've been playing the same things that I played last week because I'm I'm in a holding pattern until uh, Friday, and uh, Returnal's still very good. I still can't get past the uh, second biome. Um, I've gotten to the third phase of that boss fight a couple of times now, and I just need to figure out how to avoid his attacks in the third phase. Um, but it's still really good, still really fun. Uh, the I, the only thing that I don't like about the game is that the story does stagnate at a certain point when you can't pass a biome. Like you, you get more story by moving on in the game. So like yeah. you get to a point in like when you reach a certain biome, or when you reach a certain point in a biome where you just kind of have to beat it to actually learn more about what's going on um i um i bought returnal but you haven't played um, it i've only played like like six or seven runs okay yeah Uh, that's not very much in the context of that game no i've uh i've gotten to the first boss and and um i'm having a little bit of uh i'm having a bit of a tricky time Mm -hmm. and it's not that you know i don't i don't recognize the pattern uh i'm just not like fast enough to avoid things yet yeah um and and i keep getting like uh i i I, you know i prefer like the assault weapon sure uh but i don't get it a lot and uh, i think i need to be better with my resource management um just because like by the time i'm at the boss i I don't have anything good Mm -hmm. uh i have my pistol um and uh, you know, I, I refuse to pick up a shotgun. Um, yeah, the shot. So, like, I, I haven't used a shotgun on a boss yet, and I I don't feel like it would be good, but I, I kind of yeah. want to try it with the second biome boss because I feel because the problem with the second biome boss is that his attacks come much more like fast and furious. Mm-hmm. And it really is like even more than than the first boss. Like you have to be patient and wait for your opportunities to strike. So I almost feel like that dealing a shitload of damage would be better uh, than kind of just picking away at his health slowly but surely. I agree with you that the carbine is so far the best uh, the best weapon that I've come across. Um, yeah. And you haven't even gotten to the any of the new weapons yet because you started. Yeah, I haven't even touched stuff. anything else yeah. yet. I, I I got a I got a pistol that I'm uh, being forced to level up, and uh, and the carbine if I'm lucky. Um, but it's a it's a very fun game. It's frantic and and fast paced, and there's a lot of there's a lot of effects going on. Like yeah. it's never it's never wild. feels never feels unfair. I know that's something that a lot of the folks say about the about the souls games especially um Mm -hmm. where when you like when you die it's because you fucked up um Mm -hmm. and i and i do get that sense from this game like it's very much i'm never mad at the game when i when i die like i'm always like oh i should have seen that guy coming in you know flanking me from the side or 
you know, that was, yeah. uh, I was being too aggressive and I should have been smarter. Uh, back they give home. you, they give you enough. They give you, you got the map. Uh, you can see where enemies are on the map, depending on your adrenaline level. You can see where they are kind of through walls and they give you, and, and there's like a, a danger indicator uh, around you. Like they give you enough where you can, um, and they even give you a, like a, like a, like a, uh, like a quick reload mm-hmm. if you if you you know reload within the within the window well that's even that becomes even more essential as you get better guns because a lot of those will have enhanced um uh damage that those bullets deal if you overload properly oh so, like uh like gears yeah very 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 much so like gears of war yeah so they they give you they 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 give you all the tools so if you if you mess up you uh you just need to get good. I will say, like, if you're having trouble in the game, not you specifically, Micah, but just anyone listening, um, I have found that I I tend to do better when I play when I remember that my melee attack is really good and I get a little bit more aggressive in, in people's faces. Um because the melee is excellent. Like it's an excellent uh an excellent damage dealer in the game. Uh so I would recommend if you're having trouble uh to, to melee more than you think you need to, especially against like so like the tree enemy, and then there's also like like you start fighting the sentinels in in biome two. Um, you want to chunk them as much as you possibly can. So any anytime you can get up in their face and hit them with your sword, um, you're much better off. Yeah, I was like, oh okay, I I think I've seen all the the enemies in this first biome, and then all of a sudden those big tree things come, and I'm just yeah. like, yo, where did these where did these things come from? They're the like, worst, and they, and they and the Sentinels are kind of like them because they do the teleport shit as well, where they just kind of mm-hmm. appear behind you all of a sudden, and you're just like, fuck. Yeah, man, <laughs> like, God damn, like this thing is still introducing new <laughs> enemy types to me. Like, damn, I've seen the boss three or four times now, and they're they're still introducing new enemy types. I'll, t- I'll tell you this though: those challenge rooms can fuck themselves. Like, the, like those challenge rooms are. <laughs> are insane <laughs> i understand the rewards are great but i avoid those things like the plague usually because it's usually not yeah. worth the set the health that i had to sacrifice to to deal with them so so well uh, new stuff though this week so let's like we're playing returnal now but we're, we're not gonna be playing returnal at no. least in the short term for very long because uh here, here's what's coming out this week, Mike. We got we got Hood, Outlaws, and Legends, which, uh, to my understanding, is like a mul- online multiplayer Robin Hood game. Uh, it's coming to PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. Uh, you got the Wrath of the Druids DLC coming to Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, which comes to PC, PlayStation, Xbox, and Stadia. You got the Famicom Detective Club, which I know Carrie is looking forward to. That comes out on the Switch. Quantum Replica uh, comes to PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. Subnautica is releasing on the Switch this week, and the Subnautica Below Zero DLC is coming out on all platforms that Subnautica exists on, except for PC, which it already exists on. And then on Friday, a little game, a little indie title from a small studio in Vancouver, even though they probably had very little to do with this edition of the game, comes to PlayStation, PC, and Xbox that goes by the name of the Mass Effect legendary edition yes i can i can still barely believe that it's actually happening yeah it's wild man it's wild like uh, <laughs> uh how old is mass effect like mass effect is like 10 years old mass effect one is 13 years old i think at this point 
That's wild. 14, 14 years old at this point. It came out in 2007. Yeah, this is uh this is wild, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm really happy. Look, um I I know it's just a, a a remaster of an old game uh to people who don't care. But no, this it, it's not though. It's not. <laughs> Especially Mass Effect 1. I'm very excited to hear people's reactions for people who enjoy the series but gave up on Mass Effect 1. Yeah, I'm about to say um, I'm very excited to actually play through Mass Effect One instead, <laughs> instead, of, instead of playing up until you know up through the parts on the Citadel, and then I stop because I'm just like, oh god, this game! Like I don't feel like driving this damn this damn truck around. There's there's a reason <laughs> there's a reason why uh, some of the best Mass Effect characters all originate in one, um, and it's it's because that's the team, that's the group, right? Like that's the that those are the people that you that you ride or die with, right? Like oh, the the folks that are introduced in two, about half of them are good, about half of them not. One of them's great, uh, a couple of them are good. The rest I can do without. Mm-hmm. Nobody remembers anyone who was introduced in three, and and <laughs> but but you all know Garrus, you all know Tali, like you all know Rex, like it, it's that's that's the that's the team and the story uh i i i think the story is a little stronger overall mm-hmm. like the mass effect 2 story is more interesting but one one has the most cohesive story because yes. the problem that two or three has is that there's just a lot of implausibility considering the stakes because you're basically yep. like running errands yeah <laughs> to, 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 to help to help uh facilitate a larger goal but none of, very few of the errands have anything directly to do with the larger goal whereas one has a progressive narrative that unfolds throughout the game and and it's yeah. all it's all interconnected yeah one one definitely has the most cohesive story of them Two tells the most interesting stories plural yeah because yep. you have the loyalty missions for everybody that really give insight into their character and and who they are and the things they're dealing with and that kind of stuff. And then three is like, you know, the last, the whole game is like the last four hours of Metal Gear Solid game where they spend a lot of time tying up loose ends and stuff like that. Um, While still introducing some new things, but, but three is putting a bow on a lot of, you know, longstanding subplots, both between characters and in the world in general. Yeah, it follows the classic like film trilogy format, right? Like usually the first film is solid. It's solid enough to get a sequel. The sequel is the dark middle chapter that's incredibly interesting. And then the third one is just kind of like, hey, we're getting the band back together. Here's a here's a bit of a it's a bit of a victory lap for the franchise. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it follows that progression, right? Like two is usually everybody's favorite in a trilogy. And, um, and this trilogy is no different, right? Like two has some, inc- like you said, some incredibly interesting stories and the, the, the it's, it's made better by the characters that are in part one that go to two, mm-hmm. their characters are completely fleshed out. Like they are like Garrus becomes incredibly interesting. Liara, who, was okay in the first movie is 
awesome in two. And, uh, you know, she gets her own, she gets a DLC dedicated to her. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, I, I am looking forward to it. I can't, uh, I can't wait. I, I took off Friday because I'm <laughs> that kind of guy. <laughs> I wish I wish I could have. I'm taking a Friday off a little bit later this month, but I, I probably should have done it for this because I'm going to be thinking about it all day while I'm at work. And I already warned my wife. I was like, look, I was like, whatever you need from me this week, like get it before Friday because as soon as Friday 5, 8, 5 p.m. hits, you're not going to see me for the rest of the weekend probably. Have you seen the trophy list? I have not yet. I, I saw it released. So I'm going to take a look at it later because I think I want to try to plan out my my path. You're going to have to, especially with Mass Effect 1, yeah. because it's um, Mass Effect 1 to to platinum that, mm-hmm. just that by itself, is multiple playthroughs, mm-hmm. because you have to use different abilities gotcha. a certain amount of time. So that's multiple playthroughs. You can do two and three, I believe, in one playthrough if the trophies are still, if the trophies still stick. But there's also, like, there's the Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 uh trophy lists and there's the mass effect legendary edition trophy list now do they all have a platinum i believe they do that's interesting i think they do okay so you could get four platinums from this game (laughs) if uh if i remember correctly but they're gonna put you through your paces like it's like to get the legendary edition platinum Uh you gotta beat the three on insanity i don't know about that i don't know about that so (laughs) <laughs> we don't uh, so. we don't typically dip around segments on the show uh but i feel like we have to now because we're on a mass effect tangent here so we go to the post office for two <laughs> questions first from johnny so are brad and mike are going to play anything else besides mass effect for the next few months or is this a eat shit see you in the fall situation <laughs> should i bo- should we bother ask you what you've been playing for the foreseeable future thanks for carrying the show for us carrie <laughs> uh so look i i'm definitely primarily going to be playing mass effect for the next six to eight weeks or however long it takes to to grind through you know 120 hours worth of the mass effect trilogy however i can't just like cannonball a single game like i have to throw some stuff out there that's different um, just as a palate cleanser every once in a while, but the stuff that I'm going to palate cleanse with is going to be the same shit that I've been playing, which is Returnal, Warframe, and Diablo. Like I'm gonna just probably keep playing those three games. The only thing that might get me is if the reviews for Ratchet and Clank are just like off the chain, and I'm yeah. like, I can't wait for the, I can't wait until I'm done all three Mass Effects to play this. So once I'm done Mass Effect One. I'm going to dip into this and have some fun with it and then play and then start Mass Effect 2 after that. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to play uh, some Guilty Gear. That comes out in June. Um, I'm going to uh, play... Um, well, I, I don't know about Ratchet & Clank yet. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of at a holding pattern. Like I like Ratchet & Clank, but I'm not uh, terribly in love with Ratchet & Clank. Mm-hmm. Um like you said, if 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 they're like this game is the reason you should own a PS5, if that's the consensus, then yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get it. Um, and I think that's it, right? Like yeah. that's the only that's the only those are the only games that I know my, that I have on my radar that uh, that are coming out. Um, I, I don't know about uh, Final 
Final Fantasy uh, interlace or or whatever it's called. Because <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I'm not a Yuffie fan. Like I find that character to be uh, incredibly annoying. Um, so we'll we'll see. And then we're going to go to Cam, who says, "Are you guys going to go into the Mass Effect trilogy, planning to play the same way you did the first run through, or will you completely switch it up to see how that feels?" Now the problem for Micah answering this question <laughs> is, I think he's played it every which way. You can uh, yep, play it pretty much. I've I've played it I've played it six different times, six different ways. So <laughs> um what I'll what I'll probably do is um uh I'll I'll start with the techie side because um uh with like engineer or something like that, because uh those skills that you get with those classes uh benefit you uh in in very difficult playthroughs mm-hmm. um whereas you know if i'm just like like because i i really want to get like the difficult playthroughs out of the way mm-hmm. uh as much as, as much as i as much as i can although anything that has to do with biotics that's just that's just like having a good time right like that's just <laughs> like uh, because that's not how i play right like right. i i don't charge right like uh, i charge back and then forward and punch i don't charge forward and then shoot somebody right like uh, so i that's not the only biotic that's good for me is singularity mm-hmm. and that's a, and it's a dot biotic and you know and 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 all of the engineering moves are dot moves mm-hmm. uh, for the most part so that's what i'm going to do i'm going to start uh with i'm going to start with uh engineering now the question is am i going to be male or female and if i am male am i going to be uh because i use the default character skin right uh when i played the male because i the voices for the for the looks that i had it just didn't work so i always use the default male skin but i'm very curious to see what type of um uh different features they have for your creative character uh particularly the hairstyles uh for the men and women um that would determine uh whether my shepherd is uh, a male or female shepherd so i'm gonna go totally opposite because i've already like I said i've already experienced the game a certain way so i played engineer in my first playthrough with male shepherd and i played primarily renegade um so i'm probably gonna go complete opposite there i'm probably i'm gonna go you know, female shepherd, mostly Paragon, but I'm sure there's a few renegade moments that I'm still going to partake. in. Oh, you got a punch. What's her name in the face? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, <laughs> Especially um, as a female shepherd, like doing it as a male shepherd looks kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and I'm going to go Vanguard because like because, again, Vanguard is also not my generally preferred play style in these type of games. Um, and Adept is too is too magey. For my liking, like I like shotguns, I like getting in people's faces. So Vanguard is definitely the way to play, um, in terms of that. And that'll and and the the re, and the other cool thing about that is it encourages you to use different squad mates because obviously, like typically, you pick your squad mates to to complement, you know, what you're doing essentially. So mm. I always carried biotics with me in my squad in previous playthroughs, but now I don't need to worry about that as much. Um, still, still good having an adept on the team, just in case. Yeah. But uh, but no, I'll be able to I'll be able to have more tech folks with me and and things of that nature as well. So yeah, that, I'm I'm definitely gonna mix it up, um, just so it's a little bit different uh, than my first 
experiences with the game and lace it, then I could put it down and come back to it later on because I'll have it digitally. Because yeah. we're in the we're in the we're in the present day. So <laughs> I can't wait. Like I said, it still it still doesn't feel it still doesn't feel real. Like I don't I don't feel like it's gonna feel real until I'm actually like booted up and and playing the game. So yeah, I'm waiting for um, Wednesday when the download is there. Yeah, and then I'm just like, well, see, I still right. haven't pre-purchased the game because I'm still like scared off from just the massive games that have come out that have just yeah. released in buggy states. So I feel like I'm, I'm I'm almost waiting for the reviews to drop, yeah. but I don't want to wait. Like if the if the reviews are embargoed until release day, like I want to I want to pre-download it before yeah. you know before the game comes out. So. No, I know what you mean. Like, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not doing that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't do it with uh, Returnal. I'm not doing it with Guilty Gear. But this is something that, um, no matter how buggy it is, at one can't be as buggy as the first Mass Effect. It just can't. <laughs> uh, and two, I'm gonna push through it. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I completely understand. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's. That's the uh, extended uh, extended new releases section this week for, for, for this week's show. Um, join us uh, on Discord. Go to densepixels.com slash fans uh, and join us there. You can uh, post messages in the post office uh, anytime you like, uh, and we will answer uh, the new ones. Um, there's a lot of different channels there. Um, gaming news. Uh, streaming. If you got a stream you want to promote, just go right to the stream channel. Uh, looking for group. If you, uh, you know, if you, you know, you want a destiny raid or whatever, you can, you can look there. Yeah, vault, vault of glass coming back. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Go uh, to densepixels.com slash fans to join that Discord. Um, since you're, you know, that's your computers or your phones uh go to youtube.com slash dense pixels uh and you can see our our beautiful faces um you can uh also subscribe to all of the tmp studios podcasts wherever you get your podcasts uh shows like the nerdpocalypse black on black cinema coming distractions and the weekly preview episode of the look forward political podcast with uh brad is going to be on this week um, I really enjoyed uh, uh, the show without Jay. I, I really, I really, it, 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 it felt different, uh, it felt but different. but similar, you know. Like it's still the very crass humor, mm-hmm. but um, but like not as much uppityness uh, <laughs> that you get from Jay. <laughs> it was it was definitely one hundred percent less bougie than uh, than it typically is. Um, go to densepixels.com slash premium uh, for $5 a month or $50 a year. You get access to the premium slate of podcasts, including the airing of grievances, no time to bleed, the men with the golden tongues, upstage conversation, and the full episode of the look forward political podcast. Uh, look, uh, I've talked to Jay. We are going to, uh, get back to recording airing of grievances on a weekly basis. We've, we got two in the can. Uh, we got the seven and we got the caddy. Uh, I think I seven think the is, seven released today, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, the seven the seven is uh, is available right now. Uh, I believe the caddy will be available sometime next week. 
Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna get back on these because yo we're we're like we're like you said last week we're right there like we just gotta we just gotta we're we just gotta push through man we're at uh we're at mile like we're at mile 21 for god's sakes uh so we just gotta we just gotta push through uh and we are doing that also good news uh uh the men with the golden tongues have uh met and we and and they have decided that uh june is when we are going to start those back up and um and uh it, it, we got we got something special uh, uh something that listeners of this podcast uh will will appreciate uh and i know we keep saying that i kind of want you to guess what it is <laughs> um we're not going to tell you yet i kind of i kind of want to see uh who's paying attention yeah um, it's gonna be great but- when we get to review golden eye rogue agent <laughs> <laughs> It's not what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, look, look forward every week. Um, it, it's uh, that's worth your five dollars alone. So densepixels.com slash premium. So uh, we're getting to the end of the COVID crisis slowly but steadily. Uh, but that doesn't mean that conventions and mass gatherings are still a great idea. In that regard, uh, Gamescom has decided to ditch the hybrid convention that they were planning for later this year uh, and instead have decided that uh, they're going to do an all digital event once again in 2021. Uh, They said that they made the decision after extensive discussions with partners and exhibitors. So once again, uh, you're going to get Jeff Keighley uh, hosting online for Gamescom starting August 25th. It's going to run through August 27th. It's obviously going to be free for everybody. Uh, This is just good sense. We don't need to rush back to any of these kind of things. Um, and there's not, you know, it's not like there's a whole lot you can do at a in-person convention besides get your hands on games that you can't do with a digital convention. Do you, um, do you think that, um, things will go back to status quo or is the digital event, is the hybrid Mm-hmm. event going to be a thing uh the the new norm i think that you're going to continue to see folks lean into the streaming slash digital side of things um more than they might have in the past more than just streaming a press conference uh for one it's cheaper uh yep. to to produce than an in-person press conference um two it's a lot easier to get eyes on it with folks because it's one thing like much as I did enjoy the like on stage press conferences from back in the day, most of them, not all of them, were great. Looking at you, Ubisoft in general. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't like Mister Coffee? <laughs> like, I've, I've seen that dude in person way too many times. Um, <laughs> much as I enjoyed those when they were really good, uh, a digital presentation is just more effective. I think it forces the companies to focus on the games a little bit more um, instead of droning on about figures and having a middle-aged white guy on stage talking about a topic for way too long when you could be showing things. Um, So again, I I, I think those days are gone where we really rely heavily on that in person's tricky, right? Because the, the real reason that like E3 and conventions like that are so important is not necessarily for, you know, Joe Gamer to get his hands on shit. It's for journalists to be able to congregate 
in one place easily to see a bunch of people and make appointments and things of that nature to cover stuff. So I think yeah. in that regard, you're going to see that. I would not be surprised if they pulled back on the public facing portion a little bit more, though, just mm-hmm. to limit things or at, at least in, you know, 2022 based on how, you know, COVID and things like that continue to progress. And that's how it used to be, right? Yeah. Especially with E3. Oh, E3, E3, E3 uh, up until a few years ago was not necessarily press only, but you had to be in the industry in order to attend. Now, in the industry was a pretty fluid term. Like yeah, Terrence got get, to go yeah, one year because he worked for GameStop. Like that, like that, like that. That's right. that, that that's that's about as in the industry as you needed to be. But you still right. couldn't just be some random ass dude getting a pass to E3. Right. So uh, we'll see you at that. But like I said, I'm I'm happy to have the digital conventions. I'm kind of excited about E3. Uh, I sometime soon before E3, I want to talk about uh, what we expect from the fall because uh, right now there's doesn't seem like a whole lot. But I also know that E3 will probably have a lot more stuff in store that we don't know about yet. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, EA has purchased a studio uh, that is of particular relevance to me. Uh, they have picked up Metalhead Software. And the reason that's significant is because Metalhead is the Canadian game developer known for making the super, the popular Super Mega Baseball series, uh, which I took quite a shine to last spring. Uh, this will be the first time that EA has made a baseball game or well, published a baseball game since 2007, whenever the next Super Mega Baseball game comes out. Uh, this is great news for the studio. Yeah, this is the dream, isn't it? This is the dream. <laughs> this is the dream. I'd be ignorant if I wasn't skeptical <laughs> about what this could mean for the Super Mega Baseball franchise in general. What are you um what are you what are your fears for this, right? Because you could see the positive. The positives are all over the place, sure. right? They they get more money. They get uh, 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 an influx of of uh, people, more people working, mm-hmm. um, better tools, maybe even that MLB sure. license, yeah. right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So you the all you see all the po- I see the positives, but I'm I'm trying to to find out where the negatives are um, from maybe a studio or consumer standpoint. So. From the from the studio standpoint, the biggest negative is that you have someone who's pulling who's holding the purse strings, so they get to dictate release schedule, they get to dictate features that they want in the game, things of that nature. Um, while the MLB license would be cool, I don't necessarily need it. Like it's kind of fun that Super Mega Baseball exists on its own. Um, it's kind of like a wacky. Like the presentation is is a little is more cartoonish, obviously, and I don't necessarily know that I'd want Major League Baseball superimposed on that. Nor do I want them to make like a straight line MLB game. Like I kind of like the personality of the different characters and the teams and things of that nature as well. Um, my fear, obviously, because it's EA, <laughs> yeah. is the first question they're asking is, well, how can we monetize this game? How can we how can we put microtransactions in? How can we shoehorn ultimate team in some way, shape, or form into this that we're buying card packs and things of that nature? Uh, what does this mean for different game modes that are that are fun in the game? Or, you know, the, the, the thing that is really neat about Super Mega Baseball 
is that it offers a lot of customizability between designing uniforms and logos and making new teams and new players and, you know, making leagues how you want them to, like structuring them. And they have online franchise that you can customize. And they're like, you can really tailor the game to work how you want it to. And just having it like if EA leaves them alone to do their thing, cool. Like that's fine. Like you would you would hope that seeing how successful that the game has been, that they don't want to get too hands on. But again, it's EA. Like like when has this not been something that they have found a way to fuck up? Right. So how's um uh what's it called Apex Legends? Yeah. Uh, how's that doing, right? Because oh, Apex is doing great. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that I. I don't know where it ranks in the top three. Like, it, like it's either two or three, but it's in that top three of like online service, like free to play service games. Like it, it, Fortnite and Warzone are gonna be, are, are firmly entrenched in that top three. And to be fair, um, EA has kind of let respawn do their thing. Just because it's been super popular and they ha- it doesn't seem like EA's had a whole lot of direct interaction there. But mm-hmm. Apex Legends is also one of the most uber successful games on the planet that's make- that's ringing the cast register in ways that Super Mega Baseball never will. Yeah. So that so it's so there respawn's gonna have the leeway to do that because they're making a shitload of money. And EA is gonna say, ah, you know, that's the golden goose, we're not gonna we're not going to mess with that. Yeah. Super Mega Baseball will be popular, but it's but it's still a niche game. Like it's appealing to a niche market for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I I I, I hear you. Yeah. Um And a lot of that is just me playing Devil's Advocate. No, no, I but, I, um, I appreciate that because, like I said, people people might not understand. Um, like I said, overall, it's it, stability and and things of that nature for the studio, especially, is a great thing. And I'm happy for them. And I think that this will be a net positive. But I just hope that they don't ruin what makes that game special. Like, I don't need Super Mega yeah. Baseball every fucking year. I really don't. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that EA. There's a lot of evidence to prove your, 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 your weariness. You know, right. it's, it's justified. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nintendo... Micah is selling all the switches and they're making all the money. <laughs> so in 2020, Nintendo earned an operating profit of $6 billion and it's second best ever year of revenue at $16.6 billion in the year Goodness 2020. Uh, thanks partially to the pandemic, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, just staggering animal crossing. I'm sure huge as well uh the nintendo switch has sold over 84 million units and the thing that developed that publishers really like to see uh 587 million games sold so far (laughs) for the nintendo switch uh at this pace uh switch is going to exceed even the playstation 4 in a couple of years this is wild which is impressive this is very impressive, particularly because, you know, of all the different options now that there are f- to get your game on, right? Like, not even just consoles, but, you know, phones and, you know, whatever Google's doing. 
and um, it's 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 very very impressive. So just because I love consoles, yes, just because I love more numbers. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe still the best selling Switch game at over thirty five million units sold, putting it in the hands of more than one in three Switches essentially. Uh, coming up on its heels, though, Animal Crossing New Horizon, 32 million copies sold after just one year of release. Jesus. Which is wild. <laughs> uh, Smash I'm, Brothers. I'm very, I'm very proud of myself for, for, not, for, holding uh, off. <laughs> for not succumbing to FOMO. You don't want to make it 32.600001 copies sold? <laughs> I, I think they're okay. Uh, well, that's okay because you own all of most of these other games: uh, Super Smash Brothers, Breath of the Wild, Pokemon Sword and Shield, and Mario Odyssey. Each have sold more than twenty million units, wow. and Ring Fit Adventure has sold ten million units so far. It's wild, man! Because you know we grew up um, as like Nintendo kids, right? Um, and they were, you know, they and one other company were the only game in town uh, for a long time. And to see that Nintendo is still, uh, uh, um, they still know what the people want to play mm-hmm. is uh, is is amazing to me. Like, I, you know, you say what you want about whether or not you like some of the games that they make. I mean, it don't matter if you like them. Uh, 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 eighty-four point five nine million people do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, wow. So Nintendo keeps cruising along. Like I said, we're gonna get like I I guarantee you it's going to exceed PS4 just because we are going to get whatever the premium version of the Switch is at some point, and I gar- and I would promise you that at least twenty to twenty-five million current Switch users will upgrade to that new system, if not more than that, honestly. So Uh, some bad news for Sony. So they are facing a class action lawsuit uh, related to a decision that they made in 2019 that prevented uh, third-party retailers. So your Amazons, GameStops, Best Buy, Walmart targets and others uh, from selling digital game codes that could be redeemed on PlayStation consoles. Now, you could still purchase PlayStation Network cards, of course, and then buy them through your PlayStation. Uh, But you used to be able to buy digital game codes uh, through these stores as well. Uh, The class action lawsuit alleges that Sony is operating an unlawful unlawful monopoly where people end up paying 175% for downloadable games than they would buying games on physical disc. Uh, saying, quote, Sony's monopoly allows it to charge super competitive prices for digital PlayStation games, which are significantly higher than their physical counterparts sold in a competitive retail market and significantly higher than they would be in a competitive retail market for digital games. So I have a little bit of insight to this because of my former former employer. Here's the thing. The cost of a digital game code for PlayStation when I worked at GameStop was generally whatever it happened to cost on the PlayStation store at the time or even not because when the PlayStation store had sales, those didn't always translate to the digital codes that GameStop sold. And often, especially for games that have been out for a while, 
physical copies of those games would be less than the digital copy would because the digital copy was still sitting at whatever the MSRP was and the physical copy was discounted whether the publisher discounted it or if GameStop decided to discount it. So I don't really feel like this lawsuit merits a whole lot of consideration because even when they did allow retailers to sell digital game codes, the price was still kind of fixed by them. Like it was their decision on how much to charge for it. I mean, I guess in theory, you know, a retailer could charge less if they wanted to, but that's up to them because they're eating the loss because the margin is based on the price that Sony decides it is. And the margin is the same, no matter what. Um, and the, and the margin on digital games sold through code is the same as the margin on digital currency for the PlayStation store. So I'm not, I don't really understand where they're getting this 175% number from. Yeah. Like you, you're trying to tell me that, I mean, theoretically they could do this, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't make much business sense. If let's say Spider-Man Marvel Spider-Man two comes out and they decide that the base price Mm -hmm. for the digital copy is going to be $120 as opposed to the physical copy being 70. Like that, that doesn't make sense. I, I, yeah. I don't understand. Um, I don't understand. Like, yeah, they have the potential to do it. Sure. But that doesn't make business sense. No. And, and what's more is that. So the PlayStation store, and this goes true for the Xbox marketplace. This goes for steam. This goes for Epic game store. This goes for the eShop. Our marketplaces, just like any others, they're directly connected. So obviously they prefer you buy the game from them because they're getting more money from you doing that. But sometimes you like sometimes the PlayStation Store will have sales that the physical copy isn't right. necessarily on sale. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. Um so yeah, I I think I think that they're misled here. And that's the other thing too, is that physical game sales happen like not the sale of the game, but discounts on physical games more often happen from the vendor than from Sony itself. Like if Call of Duty gets discounted, it's not because Sony's discounting it. It's because Activision's discounting it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they discount the physical copy and not the digital copy. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes they do both at the same time. So I, I, I don't feel like this lawsuit is going to merit a whole lot. Um, obviously it'd be nice to have a choice, but if the price doesn't change anyway, when sa- when certain sales happen, then it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, I I don't uh I I I I was reading this and I'm like I don't I don't get it especially the whole you could still buy digital currency mm-hmm. I but you can't I I yeah. I don't know I I I don't know yep. I I don't know why you would I don't like if you're buying digital games mm-hmm. I I don't know why you would shop anywhere but like your PlayStation store. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't well, know. For, for, uh, it can't be like for, for the, for the, some random sale, right? Like, because yeah, they, they it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. Right. And it happens usually on a regular basis, right? Yeah. Like uh, you get a summer sale, you get a golden week sale where all the Japanese influenced games are sold. You get end of year sales. Uh, and there's, there's usually like four big sales, Throughout the year, and there, and there's always just stuff discounted randomly, right? Throughout the week. So. <laughs> yeah, I, listen, I don't I don't understand what this lawsuit is alleging, but we'll let them fight it out in court. 
It'll be we're not gonna be talking about this the way we're talking about the epic uh, Apple loss <laughs> uh, more bad news for Sony uh, they have told Bloomberg uh, and this is coming from uh, the Sony CFO Hiroki Totoki uh, this is a quote from him uh, uh, concerning the PS5 I don't think demand is calming down this year and even if we secure a lot more devices and produce many more units of the PS5 next year our supply would not be able to catch up with the demand so basically Sony is saying that uh, they will struggle to meet the demand of PlayStation 5 uh, well into the year 2022 of course mm. this, isn't hold, this isn't hurting them right now because PlayStation 5 still the fastest selling console uh, of all time uh, which, uh, so like I said, even though you can't buy it, they're selling every single one that's producing. Um, again, the chip shortages that are affecting the entire tech industry as a whole show no signs of slowing down anytime soon. And this is far from the only industry affected by, you know, increased demand from COVID based situations and things of that nature. So stinks. Keep hitting, yeah. keep hitting F5, everybody. As much as yeah, you can. Yeah, man. Look, I, um, if you want one, yeah, just just keep looking. Yep. Uh, someone told me that um, Walmart was selling some the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother-in-law is still trying to find one. I, I feel so. for people that can't. Like I, I, I know that I'm very fortunate um, in how I was able to acquire one. Yeah. And so were you? Uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So I, I, I get the frustration. I, I hope that everyone that really wants one is able to get one without too much, uh, too much angst. Uh, Ubisoft has decided that uh, they're going to release a standalone free-to-play game in the Division franchise called Heartland. It's going to come out for PlayStation, PC, and Xbox sometime in 2021 or 2022. Uh, It's being developed by Red Storm Entertainment, who is the developer of the Ghost Recon games. Uh, You can register to try to get in on playtests for when they decide to uh, do that. Apparently, there's also a division game that's being developed for mobile right now, which I know Mike is very excited about as an avid phone gamer. <laughs> that he is. Uh, but yeah, so what do you what do you think about a free to play standalone division game, Micah? Or or my my take on it is that considering how many times Division and Division Two have been given away for free, those basically are free to play games. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know. I can't wait for um this to come out and then for them to be like, but it's not political, even though it takes place in the heartland of America. <laughs> and the, the pre- and the whole pre- premise <laughs> is in foreign invaders are, are going, coming to invade the heartland of America, but it's not political. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not, um, it, it's going to be, it's going to be like microtransaction central oh very and, much uh, so very much like because so. you gotta you got they're not doing this out of the kindness of their heart right like they <laughs> they want to they want to they want you to spend a lot of money on it and um the division has a lot of fans man like yeah. i i get it um i i will not uh partake in this i i think the division is a little overrated um in terms of what it's trying to be like a looter shooter, like the idea is, is sound, but the Mm -hmm. execution is, is a miss for me. Uh, and I like all that military shit, man, but no. And, and this just screams, uh, cash grab. Um, 
you know, even more blatant than the already blatant Ubisoft <laughs> cash grabs. So uh, it's a it's a no for me. That's fair. Uh, I also am not that interested in Division. I really tried. I played the beta for Division Two. It just didn't grab me. I, I think yeah. I think it's like like for me, military shooters. Like if it's too far in the realm of reality, and and I know in that game there's like gadgets and shit like that that are beyond you know things we have in real life. But yeah, I I, I need I need a strong dose of science fiction. Give me space magic and things of that nature, and you got me. But uh, yeah, like it's the the problem with this franchise is that it has no personality. Yeah, there's nothing about it that it's it's. It's it feels very designed by committee, right? Like we want a Destiny clone without all the the story, heart, mm-hmm. characters. Uh that we want a Destiny clone that leaves zero impression. And that's what this is. Yeah, like ev- like every division boss to me seems like just some dude walking out in like a hundred pounds of body armor that you have to unload, you know. 20 that you clips have to unload into. 54 <laughs> clips into to get them down to 75%. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous, <laughs> man. It's ridiculous. So, uh, last but certainly not least in the news. So, I remember last fall, uh, I think it was Johnny sent in a post office question about an incident <laughs> with Stephen Williams, uh, otherwise known as his online alias, Boogie. Uh, who had this like crazy stream with this like guy that was banned from YouTube who was harassing him and like showed up at his house and um and and Boogie came out with a gun and and fired it in the air and and you know just a weird situation scary situation well unfortunately threat firing a gun in the air like to threaten somebody is, is a crime. Uh, it's yeah, called yeah. aggravated assault. <laughs> and apparently uh, as of May 7th, Boogie has a warrant out for his arrest based on this incident, which happened in last, last October. So <laughs> better late than never, I guess. It's possible. The guy decided not to, not to press charges until now. No, um, forget that. No, you shoot again. First of all, don't shoot guns in the air. Don't do it. Bullets come. Bullets have to come down. Bullets don't just go straight forever. That is, that is how just... physics works. So. <laughs> so, so don't fire guns in the air. Fourth of July, don't fire guns in the air. Um, I always have to tell my wife around the Fourth of July to get away from the window. She hears a pop pop and is just like, "Oh, what's that? It's fireworks!" I'm like, get away from the window, please. Um, and second, like. Uh, I mean, it couldn't happen to a better guy. I don't. I don't know this guy. Um, I don't. I don't follow this guy. He doesn't seem like the type of person that I would follow. Yeah. Well, I mean, so like, like not to cast too much dispersion on the dude, but he he kind of like, you know, revealed himself like in sort of like right wingy ways, yeah. subtly. So like, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I don't. I don't. I don't fucks with that. Yeah. Um. You can have a. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, a guy a guy who thinks it's smart to fire a gun in the air might have right leaning tendencies. Well, I mean, you look, I mean, say. look, he lives he lives in he lives in Arkansas. So what are you what are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, so don't do that. Uh, not not to say that the that 
the incident itself was justified. Like the dude definitely should not have had to deal with this harassment. I hope that absolutely that other absolutely. guy I guess, was don't, coming to him. But don't 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 roll up on somebody's property. Yeah. You're, you this is literally the scenario that they are talking about when they say I need my guns. Yes. When some I, rando rolls up onto your property, and and to be to be fair, like based on the circumstances surrounding the incident, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, not knowing his legal history, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he he wasn't facing serious punishment for this, like probation or something like that, or a fine. I don't expect mm-hmm. him to go to prison for it. Um, but yeah, don't you know what one crime does not does not uh, <laughs> cancel out right. another crime? Like it doesn't right. doesn't work that way. Yeah. Two negatives don't make a positive. This is not mathematics. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to get your handguns, uh, hold on. Let me see if uh, Amazon has <laughs> speaking, speak, speaking of turning negatives into positives. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to get yourself uh, an airsoft gun. There you go. Uh, you can go to densepixels.com uh, slash uh, Amazon uh, for all of your airsoft gun needs. Uh, when you go to densepixels.com slash Amazon and type in handguns pistols, uh, I probably should not have typed that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can <laughs> you can get yourself a Glock 19 Gen 3. Uh, 0.177 caliber BB gun air pistol for the low, low price of $69.99. So if if you want to uh, take your life into your own hands, (laughs) waving around an incredibly realistic looking airsoft gun, uh, go to, no, don't go to, don't do that at all buy, go buy, to buy other things like maybe not gun related things yeah on, go on go <laughs> go to deadspixels.com slash amazon and buy yourself a eureka neu182a speed power speed bagless upright vacuum there you go <laughs> jesus christ holy moly um the, so the Epic uh, Apple trial is in its second week, and uh, once again, our top stories is all around, all about it because there's there's some bangers of, of news and, and tidbits that have dropped out of the trial. Uh, the first the first piece is arguably like the the thing that's probably going to become the most memeable thing from this entire endeavor, and that is that one of the arguments between Epic and Apple. Is whether a biped banana can be naked. So there, there's a character in Fortnite named Peely, which is an in-game character, which is literally a banana that has <laughs> arms, legs, and eyes and a mouth. Like that, that's what Peely is, essentially. It's a it's a it's a walking banana. And I would assume talking because it has a mouth. Here's an actual exchange between the attorney representing Apple and uh, Matthew Weisinger, who is the vice president for Epic Games for marketing. Apple's attorney. We have in front of us a new set of images, and what is this screen showing? 
Weisinger, this is your matchmaking lobby. Apple's attorney. And we have a large yellow banana here, don't we? In a tuxedo? Weisinger, yes. That is Peely. Attorney, and that's Peely, did you say? Weisinger, yeah. Attorney, and in fact, the tuxedo, he's known, in the tuxedo, he's known as Agent Peely, correct? Weisinger, that's correct. Apple's attorney, we thought it better to go with the suit than the naked banana since we're in federal court this morning. <laughs> so Apple decided I mean, you to know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be court ready. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta put your one suit on to. Upon to... cross examination from Epic's attorney, they asked, "Quote: Is there anything inappropriate inappropriate about Peely without a suit?" To which Weisinger responded, "No, there is not." Attorney, the uh, Epic attorney said, "If we could just put on the screen a picture of Peely." Is there anything appropriate, inappropriate about Peely without clothes? To which Weisinger replied, it's just a banana, ma'am. Here's, here's my problem with what, with what I, I'm firmly on the side of Epic Games here, by the way, uh, in this particular issue. Because it's a banana. A banana is sheathed by a banana peel. So if the banana peel is still encompassing the banana the banana by definition cannot be naked that is sound reasoning yeah and logic. like i i just i i don't i don't even understand now now that being said i'm looking at peely right now and i don't deny that peely does look disturbing like i'm like i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna deny that whatsoever but uh, to your point right like what is a banana peel if not just a jumpsuit for bananas? It's li- it's literally the dungarees of the banana <laughs> of the banana universe, essentially. <laughs> yeah, you better write that one down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, this is amazing. <laughs> Uh, this this whole this whole conversation, this stupid conversation that we're having, is what, because what, of a my, even my dumber favorite, conversation that's being had. My favorite part is that is it, it is the second time in the history of the Dennis Pizzles podcast, the first time in like seven years that we've had a prolonged banana based conversation <laughs> on the show. Because if you recall, back in the in the palatial ground floor studio days of Dense Pixels, way back in, in the day. We had we taught you introduced me Ray Comfort, the like like the like the Christian dude who used bananas to to try to prove that God was real. <laughs> oh shit! Him and and Kirk Cameron just sitting there talking about <laughs> talking about uh, this is how God is real because a banana is the perfect fruit. It tells you when it's ready. It tells you when it's about to die. You can eat it. It's got a tab on it. I was like, all right, yo, all right. All right Jesus Christ. Yo, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I eat a fucking banana, I think about that. that still, I can't. Uh, it's ruined me for the rest of my life. So oh, in, in actual, like, fucking serious, serious stuff that's coming out for the trial. So it, it was revealed, basically. A document came out internally from Epic Games that essentially showed that they knew exactly what they were doing when they, when they embarked on this gambit, essentially. So 
there's a there's an email from from Daniel Vogel of Epic Games who literally lays out the plan. If we submit a bill to Google and Apple with the ability to hotfix on our payment method that passes savings to customers, we flip the switch. We know we can get by without having to update the client for a couple of weeks. Our messaging is about passing on price savings to players. Google and Apple will immediately pull the build for new players and potentially take an even more aggressive stance. And basically they were, they were looking at how can we do this without making us look like the bad guys in the situation. So like I said, we, we said back in the day when this first came out as, as many others did that Epic knew exactly what they were doing when they did what they did. This is proof positive of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like don't, don't, I don't want to see anybody going to bat for either one of (laughs) them. I really don't. I want you to, I want you to be like, uh, Biggie in the new day, just eating your popcorn all ridiculous and just watching the show. <laughs> yeah, let's see, if, there, if, there, if there's a way for both companies to lose, I feel like that would be the ideal. Yeah, man. The ideal solution. <laughs> I don't think it's possible. Um, something else came out during this trial, not related to either company, that also proves that the thing that we've been saying, that Microsoft does not give a flying fuck about how many Xboxes they sell, is 100% true. In, in some testimony that's been done in this trial, there's an interview uh, – or, or sorry, um, Microsoft's vice president of business development was testifying in the trial, Lori Wright. And an attorney asked her, uh, has Microsoft ever earned a profit on the sale of an Xbox console? The answer to which from Lori Wright was No. <laughs> Microsoft has literally never turned a profit on the sale of an Xbox console. The The question that preceded this was, quote, if Microsoft sells consoles at a loss, why does it keep selling them? Uh, and basically the response was because the business model is set up to deliver an end-to-end consumer experience and they make more money in the long run over sales, game sales and subscriptions than they do on hardware sales. That's why they want X. That's why they want. Game Pass everywhere, as That's many places as can it. get it. You 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 called it a, a long time ago, yeah. and that's that's exactly why they're pushing it. That's why they're pushing. Um, th- that's why they're getting rid of gold, like you said. Like they want Game Pass, man, because that's how you you know that's how you recoup all that all that money, and you don't even think about it. No. I don't even think I got to check my account to see if I have any money in there <laughs> to make sure that I'm good for the next couple months. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, literally for, and, and Sony in, in many ways is the same boat. Like they're, they're losing money on PlayStation 5s right now because yeah. selling hardware is the cost of doing business that you can get royalties from software. No tech company ever, with the exception of maybe Apple, has made money from selling hardware. And even Apple doesn't make a ton of money from selling hardware. Like they do, right. but, but they're, they're, they're getting money from the App Store and iCloud and things of that nature. Most tech companies will give you the hardware, not give it to you, but they'll give it to you from their perspective to make sure that you're buying software. 100%. Every single time. Every single time. So, yeah. So that's why, like, if if you're like, oh, man, like, I don't really want to buy an Xbox, but I sure do want to get in on Microsoft's doing, just get it. Just use your PC. Seriously. They don't care. They're they're, they're fine. If your PC is good enough, use your PC. Yeah. If not, 
they'll help you finance an Xbox. <laughs> they don't care. Really just, <laughs> just get the thing and play Game Pass. It's all they want. Buy Game Pass. It's all they want. Uh, so here's some interesting news. We talked about some of the just staggering amounts of revenue and profit that Epic generates from Fortnite last week. Did you know, Micah, that on the NFL skins that they released for Fortnite, just on the NFL skins by themselves, which were available for a limited time, Epic generated over $50 million of revenue just from these skins. Wow. Jesus. Yes. They sold 3.3 million NFL branded skins, which cost about $15 a piece. $15? Yeah. Yes. Jesus Christ. Here's here's the thing, Micah. Here's the thing. That wasn't even the most popular and most successful skin that they sold. <laughs> Obviously, the Marvel and Star Wars skins exceeded that in popularity. Marvel, far and away the most popular. Um, Star Wars, a distant second, and the NFL right behind them. Third place, Travis Scott. I did not realize Travis Scott was that popular. I don't know who that is. Neither do I. I know he was on McDonald's <laughs> commercial, and you could get, like, the Travis Scott value meal or something like that. <laughs> I don't know who he is. Uh, Travis Scott, to my knowledge, was the drummer for Blink-182, and then I heard, like, the Travis Scott, like, McDonald's thing, and I was like, the fuck does anyone give a shit about the drummer from Blink-182? And then I saw that it was a different Travis Scott, who is definitely not that guy. Apparently, Travis Scott is a rapper. Okay. If you, um, if you say so. <laughs> whose whose real name is Jacques Berman Webster II. <laughs> he should have gone with like JBW or something like that. Uh, behind Travis Scott is the was the Dead Mouse collaboration. Uh, DC coming in behind Dead Mouse. Wow, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, uh, John Wick, uh, a logo that I can't decipher. Nike, Borderlands Three on and so forth um it's a lot of money though it's a lot of fucking money just from just from skins uh yeah man wow uh epic not content to let fortnite be successful we found out that they offered sony over 200 million dollars to get four to six games uh four to six playstation exclusive titles uh on the epic game store so that's not a surprise at all yeah, and especially because they're on Steam anyway, uh, and and they made it to the Epic. They made it to the Epic Game Store anyway. Um, it's just that Epic wanted to pay them for exclusivity, uh, as we talked about last week. Two hundred million dollars for exclusives for a bunch of these games, considering what they paid for Borderlands, dropping the bucket. Oh yeah, Jesus. So apparently, the judge in the case uh, was quite dumbfounded, though. Coming back to Microsoft over my, over Apple's xCloud policy. Of course, Apple not letting the xCloud app appear on iOS because they said or Apple says that they'd have to certify every single game on the service. Right. Like that's their justification for 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 blocking this. So the judge in the case, Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers basically like stepped in immediately and was like wait a second i can use netflix with an app on my phone 
and I can see any movie or TV show that I want to on here. How the fuck is this different right. than that? And you know something? She's right. Yeah. <laughs> like she's she's 100% correct. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like, like if Apple's not going to rate, you know, like scrutinize every single movie or television show that comes out on net on Netflix, this is literally the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. Well, but so, so partner that with the, the thing that might actually end up hurting them the most in this case. So one of the things or, or the, the biggest thing that Epic is kind of presenting in this case to show that Apple's full of shit is that they are pointing to Roblox as an example of how Apple is giving preferential treatment to some publishers and not others. So Roblox, incredibly popular game, not with, not with folks like you and I and people listening to the show, but kids love it. Absolutely love it. Here's what's interesting, Micah. Roblox also has their own currency that you could buy in the game and you can buy it through directly through the Roblox app without having to go through the app store. Like you can, you can direct pay Roblox for these things. (laughs) So they were questioned about this. Uh, Tristan Kosminka uh, of Apple was on the stand and he was, you know, questioned by Epic's attorney. And basically, he says, or his his justification was that he compared Roblox to Minecraft, and said that because like games games they have a beginning and an end, and there's challenges in place. I look at the experiences in Roblox similarly to the experiences that are in Minecraft, and because it's ex- not like a perpetual like. Because it's not a game that has an end. Like you can always play. Like, yeah. like you can always pick up and play Fortnite or whatever. But yeah, they're arguing that Roblox because it's f- finite. You can because it's because it's not finite. That's that's the thing. Like it doesn't have like an end of the game. Like you don't beat Roblox. You just stop playing Roblox when you're bored with Roblox. But he's saying that those are experiences, so they're somehow exempt. And Fortnite is like a game, which makes it not exempt. But in in reality, like I guess in Fortnite, you could say there's a beginning and an end because each match itself is self-contained, right? Like like there's yeah. that. That's but, that's like, an experience, right? But you don't beat Fortnite, <laughs> like, like right. not. But, I, I, I yeah. <laughs> And so Epic's Epic's argument is they're like, hey, they make exceptions for the people they want to. Here's the thing. Roblox recently – here's how popular Roblox is. Roblox recently did an IPO and went public for the first – and went public, and they have a $38 billion market cap. And if Apple were to ban them for violating the terms of service – that would be absolutely worse than what they're doing to Epic right now. It would create a shitstorm much larger than what Epic Games produced for them because of all the money that's involved, because of how popular the game is. Jesus. But I don't feel like I, I don't see how the judge is going to be able to look at an example like this and differentiate that from what Fortnite was trying to do. I just don't I just don't see how that's going to be possible. 
Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't see this looking good for uh, Apple. Right. Um, well, and here's the thing: they they've made the exception for non-game companies as well, like Amazon has an exception like when you buy something from your Amazon app on your iPhone Apple's not getting a cut of that so they do they do put exceptions in either when it suits them or when they know it would cause them troubles if they didn't do it mm. basically and Amazon's a little bit different because like if you couldn't buy shit through your Amazon app you could just do it through your web browser like on on your phone too it's not like they can stop you from doing it right but yeah, like like the Roblox example and Minecraft also to that extent, if Minecraft is getting preferential treatment, seems to me like kind of a stone cold, you know, no way around this type of situation. So <laughs> this is <laughs> this is wild, man. The the thing that's also kind of surprising about this, there there's an interview from Reb Valentine on IGN, or not an interview, but an article rather. Um and it's funny because the like the judge is kind of like aghast at this whole thing <laughs> because of all the all the leaks that are coming out and and I say leaks I don't mean like stuff that's not supposed to be getting out I just mean stuff that's being presented as evidence in the trial that no one's ever seen before and I think we're finding out like or well at least the the general public is finding out like how weirdly secret the game industry is um, which, by the way, is going to happen when you have a shitload of companies that are private companies operating and doing <laughs> doing their own thing. Right? Like, like there's yeah. not there's not very many there's not very many video game companies that are public, and the ones that are don't have to disclose the fine details of their fine of their finances. Like as long as they're reporting on revenues and profits and things of that nature and 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 costs. Yeah, they don't have to let industry secrets or whatever right you know <laughs> um so yeah it's it but it's but it's just interesting like we're finding out all this stuff like sony really not liking cross-platform play and having to be like literally bought off to <laughs> to, to buy into it um like I said all the information about how much revenue is going to developers when games go for free on the store i really wish that video game companies were more forthcoming about this information i don't expect them to ever be um but yeah, like like the judge was like, yeah, she's like, I've received like so many motions from third parties asking me to seal information <laughs> from this trial because <laughs> I, like she she's like legit shocked that people don't that they don't talk to each other and that and that there's like all this secrecy in the industry. It's 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 funny that you see it like this, and and also because again, this this is also a weird case where there's so many third parties involved because Epic has to show other examples of what companies do to show why what Apple's doing is fucked up. Yeah, like everybody's dirty laundry is being aired, <laughs> and it's just it's wild, right? Because nobody treats games seriously, right? Right? Because the word game is in it, so people think it's just like that. Nah, man, like this stuff is a business, man. It's just like everything else. Not only not only a business, but a multi-billion-dollar business. Right, like like like, <laughs> like the game the game industry is more popular than the film industry at this point. Right, people, people fucking <laughs> forget that, but it's true. And I'm I mean, and I'm Jesus. not saying I'm not saying that the you know even the biggest game is not going to stand up to how much revenue like. 
the Avengers is going to generate, right? But the opening weekend for Call of Duty is going to be bigger than the opening weekend for literally every movie. <laughs> like, 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 Call, like Call of Duty is generating like almost $600 million on release weekend. Even the Avengers did what like half a half a billion maybe something like that and yeah. that and that's like the that's like the tip top of the iceberg in that case like, but, yeah and and you know with film there's a reason why film really wants that big opening weekend because that is the mo- that is the best time that they will get the most money right? right it's all diminishing returns no second weekend is bigger than the first weekend right gaming especially these type of games yeah the, it's just constant money. It's it's a constant cash register, man. Like it's like death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> like 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 consider consider that. Look at how much mo- look at how much money. How how much how much did did uh, Infinity War gross worldwide? Um, total. It's gross. probably it's probably like over a billion. Or something okay. Like that. Let let's let's say it's a billion four, give or take. And again, that that's that's the biggest movie ever. Like like there is no movie that was bigger than Infinity War. EA gets that much two revenue. billion dollars. How much? Two billion. Fair enough. That's that that is two years worth of EA revenue from FIFA Ultimate Team. <laughs> That that is that is that is half, sorry, less than half of of the yearly revenue generated by one Fortnite. Crazy man, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Endgame, the last game, uh, the last uh, movie in that um, in that Marvel slate uh, generated two point eight billion gross. There you worldwide. go. There you go. And um, so, yeah, man. And like, again, that's a lot of money. That's a shitload of money. <laughs> Do not do not get it twisted. That is a shitload of fucking money, but it ain't video game money. And I and, 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 I, and I'm I'm wondering how long it's going to take for civilians, for lack of a better term, to stop sleeping on the fucking game industry <laughs> and to stop treating it like it's all kids' toys. It's 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 right. a big money business. It's a big money, especially business. like look, these CEOs they don't know nothing about video games. Yeah, they know about making money. <laughs> that's like you think Bobby Kotick plays video games? No, the game he's playing is how much money do I have in this account? Right. <laughs> like, come on, man. It's mm, all right. You keep you keep uh you keep acting like this is a uh, just for kids, man. <laughs> mm. So I can't wait to see what new revelations we get next week. It's going to be so much fun. Um. <laughs> again, for us, this is the trial of the century. It really is. You're, yeah, not, you're never going to see a bigger a bigger court case in the game industry than this, probably. <laughs> or, or, or if you do, it's going to be for a something that's way worse, like like something that's legit bad that you that we probably don't want to see. So, <laughs> uh, we go to the post office. Rev asks, "Okay, so I plan on attempting one of these roguelike games during the summer, but I hear they're hard games." Is there one that is applicable for those who don't want that very hard or impossible rogue smoke? Um, the uh, the game that Brad and I really, really, really enjoyed, uh, Hades. Hades has a, a very forgiving. It's a very forgiving roguelike. 
Yeah. Um, you will die. That's the point. Like it's part of the story, but they have a, if I, th- I think if you die, I don't know if you can turn it on at the beginning or okay. they offer it to you. If you die too much. No, I think, I but, think you can turn on from jump street, the God mode. Yeah. 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 So in God mode in Hades, you will die, but you will gain more resistance after every death. Mm-hmm. So if you die, you'll gain like 5% more resistance, 10% more resistance, all the way up to like 80 or 90%, yeah. you know, until, until you win. And then it, and then it resets again. Essentially. Yeah. So, and, and that, so I, I agree with Micah. Um, Hades is easily the most approachable roguelike game. The only problem with Hades is that it's only on switch and PC. So, so if you, so if you don't own either of those platforms, uh, you can't play Hades. Um, if you have a PlayStation or an Xbox, it's a little bit tougher to 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 figure out one to recommend easily. Um, we've talked about Returnal. If you have a PS5, I don't necessarily recommend Returnal as your first roguelike because nope. it's it is very much like a bullet hell game in and of itself, which is has its own proclivities. Um, you could go with the classics. I think uh, I think Rogue Legacy is yep, a decent one it. to start with. Um, that's probably the best, I would say. Uh, if you are into twin stick shooters at all, like if you played those, I've, I've played a little bit of Enter the Gungeon and enjoyed that a lot. It's difficult, but it's not like soul crushingly difficult when you first start out with it. So that might be one too to check out. Um, I was trying to think of any other ones off the top of my head that are uh, that are springing to mind, but those those are the those are the ones in the forefront. Of my conscience, yeah. Rogue, Rogue Legacy, if you have a PlayStation or an Xbox, is probably going to be the best way uh, to get started in that genre. So give those a shot, uh, and if you like them, then definitely move on. And and here's the thing: like roguelikes get a lot of get a lot of play. The key is to def- or get a lot of uh, hype of, around difficulty. Key is to find one whose gameplay style matches games that you've played before that you're that you're familiar with. So like if you've played any of the Metroid or cat or like 2d Metroid or Castlevania games, you'll get on with dead cells better than you think you might just because the gameplay of dead cells is so similar to those games. And then the roguelike stuff is just added on top of that. Not to say that dead cells is an easy game. It's not, but it, there's enough there to grab onto. That's familiar. Um, if you have played those games, for example, or if you've played like Diablo before, Hades is gonna be is gonna be easier to grab onto just because it's it's got a similar aesthetic and gameplay style essentially. So, also I think people who don't know anything about them get hung up on the whole like repeated death thing. Mm-hmm. Um, look, in games, when's the last time you played a you picked up a game and just finished it, right? Like you're going to die, right? In any game you play, in most roguelikes, um, that's part of the. That that's baked in, like like there's certain right. like there's certain upgrades you get from dying, or there you know the, like the whole point, especially of rogue light games, and I don't want to get in the difference between the two because it's a very nuanced difference. But in rogue light games, you will get much more powerful as the game goes along. Yeah, so it's it's not you don't have to necessarily worry about dying those first couple times because you're going to get better at it. Um. I also played a little bit of Curse of the Dead Gods. I haven't played it enough that I wanted to get on the show and talk about it, but that was pretty approachable as well. And that's on all platforms too, I felt like. Mm-hmm. 
it's that same kind of Hades. That's Hades vibe. Put it put it this way: I beat I on my first run on Curse of the Dead Gods. I beat the run. I know there's other bosses and shit to fight, but it's not often that you that you that you win on your first uh your first go around. So right. Uh, Krajan asks, with the ongoing semiconductor shortage that seemingly won't be resolved for over a year and the expensive buy-in for TVs that can use the capabilities of the new console, like 8K or 4K 120fps, do you see the current generation lasting significantly longer than the previous ones? Um, not unless this uh, semiconductor shortage uh, lasts an incredibly long time. Mm-hmm. Like... Like I'm talking like years and years and years, because um, technology is is not going to stop. Innovation is not going to stop, mm-hmm. um, simply because they don't have the physical resources. You can get enough resources to put a prototype together to still be working on something, and then by the time you're um, by the time you have an idea for you know Xbox uh, S E X, you can. <laughs> You can, you know, the the hopefully the shortage will be. Uh, we you won't have to worry about the semiconductor shortage or the or the the strain on the resources. So I I don't really see. Um, I don't really no. I think I think this will be. I think this will be will fall anywhere between the seven to ten, like year lifespan. I'm hoping for like ten. Yeah, but well, see that's the thing. So I'm not going to stop. I think even. Aside from the shortage of, of chips out there, this would have been a longer lasting console generation anyway, because they they have been getting longer progressively, because, again, you could do more to update the console through firmware that you couldn't mm-hmm. do back in like the NES, SNES and 64 days. Um, and and like you said, so like 8K is not really a thing yet. Like it is, but it's not uh, 120 FPS on 4K definitely is not a thing yet and is not going to be for a long 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 time in terms of being affordable and something that an average gamer would have access to and the fact that these consoles are capable of that or at least the xboxes are capable of that um automatically is going to give it a longer lifespan because display technology is not going to like exponentially improve like i don't think you're gonna see like 16k next year like that's gonna take a couple of years to get to that point yeah. um so yeah j- just the fact that they kind of built these and i and i think i feel like with this console generation specifically they've done the best job at future proofing themselves for displays that they reasonably saw on the horizon um so it's not like you're gonna improve on solid state memory in a significant way anytime soon. So they're, they're good on the memory front. Obviously size would be nicer, but it is what it is. Um, they're they're good on the display front. They're good on the Bluetooth front right now. Uh, the only thing they're really lacking, I, and I think, I think Xbox might have this. I could be wrong. I feel like the series X might have this. I know the PlayStation doesn't, uh, is Wi-Fi six. That that's the only other thing that might become more prevalent. Um, that the consoles will not have is sixth generation Wi-Fi, but again, in 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 this in the grand scheme of things, relatively insignificant considering that your Wi-Fi five connection will do more than you need it to to do what these consoles need you to do. So, yeah. So yeah. I think you'll be okay. See, so yeah, I, I think it was going to last longer anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I'm that would be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
finally, Daniel asks Micah, and you might have answered this question already. I don't remember you answering it. Uh, when will your son get the chance to become a gamer? So this is a, a, a sticky wicket. Uh, <laughs> I, I started when I was uh, five in 1985. Uh, when my grandmother, much to the dismay of my parents, bought me a Nintendo Entertainment System with two contr- with two paddles, as they called them, um, <laughs> a light gun, and two games, uh, Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. And um, that started it all. And um, it, it uh, so I think five might be too young. Um, I, I know... Uh, a friend, a family member of a friend, um, they have a, that family member is like a little kid, right? It's like eight or something like that. And he is obsessed with video games. He is obsessed with them. Like his school papers are about video games. Like they, like all he wants to do is play video games. And I appreciate the passion, but I feel like that, uh, you know, I'm a massive hypocrite. Like go outside. <laughs> um, uh, but it, but at the same time, I'm sitting in his office playing games. Yeah. Like he's going to come in, he's going to see. And, and, um, uh, so I'll, I'll let him, I'll let him try. Um, but he's got to be in like regular school first. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, so it's tricky though. So like you, you talk about the, the, the kid that's obsessed with games. He's eight years old. If it, believe me when I tell you, if it wasn't games, it, it would be something, be something else. else. It would be something else. <laughs> and it would probably be something digital because it's not necessarily the interaction. I think that plays some level of, of degree with it, but it's 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 the the instant feedback from from the screen and, and the entertainment value more so than mm-hmm. anything else. Um mm-hmm. you know, if, if your son gets obsessed with like Disney movies and wants to watch shit on Disney Plus all the time. Yeah, well, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna happen regardless. Like, like I I don't know that much you can do to stop it. I think the key is, and you know, I always got annoyed with my mother for it, but I'm glad she did it uh, when I was a kid. Is you just have to set you have to set the boundaries. You have to you have to set the limits. You have to set the uh, you know make sure that they're doing other stuff that they're not just you know full whole hog involved with it. And I think the biggest thing is that if you set those boundaries up front, if you limit what stuff they have access to, how long they have access to it, things of that nature. I think you can set yourself up for success because then you're not taking something away. If anything, you can give more of it as time yeah. goes along to reward, you know, good behavior or good grades in school or, or other things that they're doing outside of that. Um, and what's great is that consoles today, games today have more ways than ever to build those safeguards in and to be able to limit them electronically and not even have to worry about doing what my mom had to do where she had to like hide the controllers or unplug the super Nintendo and hide then hide the power, the power brick somewhere in the house where I couldn't find it. So I didn't have access to it. Yeah. That's, that's a good, that's a good idea. That's yeah. a real good idea. Uh, my, my dad, he, uh, he got so mad one day he ripped the Nintendo 64 out of the fucking wall while I was playing it and spiked it. And when I later, when I, 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 I yeah, because, because that's healthy. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I went to put it, you know, plug it back in just to see if it worked. Like the thing was a tank. Man. I mean, the, I mean, that's what Nintendo does, right? Like, like, <laughs> like, like they make stuff that, that's, 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 you know, 
able to survive nuclear fallout, essentially. So Yeah, they rage-proof it, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea, though. I, I, I think... Um, I think that I, I I'll still wait until he's. Oh, I I, I wouldn't. You know. I mean, he's what three now, if I'm not mistaken. I would He's uh he's two and a half. Okay, he's two and a half. Yeah, and I wouldn't, he, I wouldn't he already put his hands yet. Yeah, my 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 wife gives him this thing. Yeah, her her phone, and he's. Just, oh, I'm so like, you've already you've stop. already you've already started. Right, you've I'm already, like, please you're, stop. You're, you're already stop. down the path. Like 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 me, you know, I'm I'm in that same boat. Like like my son is obsessed with, you know, either wants his iPad or wants to have the remote control. In his hands, yeah. So he can, so he can do what he does. Now, of course, mine does. You know, the 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 Disney Plus version of channel flipping, <laughs> which is really irritating. Or or he just think just just because of how he is, where he watches right. like the same, you know, two minute sequence in a movie, like yeah. thirty times in a row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which can get a little grating, but. Keeps him happy, so I can't uh, I can't complain. But yeah, so you, it's already started, Mike. It's already gone. Like like he's, yeah, he's learning he, how to use like like he, like my my son again. Kids kids are crazy. Kids are sponges. They learn <laughs> then they learn everything. I never taught my like so we have the, we have an Apple TV, and we have the current Apple TV remote, which I hate, which has like the the touchpad, the touchpad at which, the front, which, which yeah, sucks. Like or pre-order the new one immediately because I'm just like, fuck <laughs> that. Um. I didn't. I never show him how to use it. He he figured it out on his own. Like like and like he was like five. Like that was really <laughs> that that yeah, was impressive man. to me. It's it's wild, man. Like my son, he doesn't know how to unlock the phone. Mm-hmm. But once it's unlocked, he'll go straight to the app that he wants, yep. and he'll just. Yep. Click. I'm like, yo, what? Wow. Yeah, you're already I'm there. Like, did you teach him that? And right. she's like, no. Well, there, there, so there, there's an anecdote. So I I read the um the Steve Jobs biography a couple of years ago. And there's an anecdote from a reporter who was covering a story in like Colombia, and he was in like a very rural area of Colombia, like a like a small village on the outskirts, whatever. No, you know, not no technology, that kind of thing. And he had his first generation iPad with him, and the little boy that was there, he was like probably five years old or whatever. He just gave it to him, didn't explain anything to him, and the kid like was able to figure it out right away like like how to work it and, and how to navigate around it that says a lot about apple's ux um yeah. and how intuitive it is but it also kids are smart and <laughs> and, right. and don't underestimate them ever <laughs> uh because they will always surprise you yeah so man. that is it for the show this week thank you guys so much for going to densepixels.com slash fans uh joining the discord and submitting your questions to the post office if you have not done so yet you should do it uh, and get in on the chatter in the Discord and start some of the chatter in the Discord and all that jazz. Uh, Carrie would be very upset if I did not remember to remind you that on May 22nd, 8 p.m., premiering on YouTube, the Baltimore Gamer Symphony Orchestra is doing their spring show, which she had a huge hand uh, in putting together. So definitely check that out uh, if you like video game music. Don't forget to subscribe to Dense Pixels as well as the other TNP Studio shows wherever you get your podcast. Uh, while you're on the internet, as Mike is keen to say, don't forget to go to youtube.com slash densepixels. Subscribe to us there as well. And then follow us all on Twitch TV. I am Dense Pixels Brad. Terrence is Apparition 410. And Carrie is Sub It's Carrie. So that is it for us this week. Thank you very much for watching and listening. And we will see you all the next time. See ya. <laughs>